Welcome, welcome to Beyond the Pillion podcast, episode two. My name is Kahiwa Sabaya, she, her pronouns, and I am the chaotic one. And I am Mark Drexler, he, him pronouns, and I was once banished from the kitchen for using the dishwashing rag to clean my chain. <laughs> True story, folks. Today we are talking about... <laughs> We're talking about motivation, risk, reward and cost when it comes to becoming a motorcyclist and answering that question, do I even want to do this? But before we start, we will just briefly acknowledge that today we are making this recording on the traditional land of the Ghana people and uh, we would like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. So, why people ride? Kahiwi, you've been riding for nearly five years now, I think. What was yeah, it? Yeah, around that, about five. Uh, yeah, what, what was it? Why did you start in the first place? Well, I think as we outlined in the previous episode, um, you know, a big part of it for me was you know, riding on the pillion with you and really enjoying the thrill um, of being on a motorcycle and then deciding, actually, I think this would be better if I was in charge. I think I would have more fun. Um, and that then kind of led into, for me, having a vision of being a motorcyclist, yeah, a badass motorcycle chick uh, was something that became a bit of an aspirational goal, a vision for myself. Um, and that coincided with also uh, starting a job in the city and having to commute. Previously, I would have taken the train and that's about you know, an hour or so door to door, give or take. Um, and on the motorbike, I was like, oh, this, this goes down to like 30 odd minutes. Um, saving some money in terms of parking uh, or public transport. So those were some of the, the key drivers that I can recall. So given that you um, are still recent enough that you can actually remember why you got into motorcycling <laughs> in the first place, has you had that sort of vision and that perception of what it was going to be like? Has the reality matched it? I think from the uh, pragmatic perspective of riding a motorcycle to a large extent yes it has has matched the expectations um, it is certainly cheaper um, it is faster to commute and particularly if you're riding in like peak hour traffic and you get the opportunity to lane filter that really does save um, a significant amount of time I recall going from my L plates onto my R date license which is when in South Australia you are legally allowed to lane filter and ride in between two lanes of traffic traveling in the same direction um, and that cut my commute from about 40-45 minutes to just over 30 um, so mm. it made a yep. huge difference um, the some of the downsides about riding um, from a pragmatic perspective yeah all of the gear carrying around a helmet or big heavy boots or a heavy jacket uh, because I am one of those motorcyclists that um, very highly values and prioritizes safety um, and didn't possibly didn't quite uh, understand how much that would have an impact on kind of going out and about but luckily there are some really good brands of clothing and accessories that do also look cool because that is important um, I think I underestimated how enjoyable it would be to ride and particularly once I got mm. more confident 
once I'm able to ride bigger bikes, have better technique um, and just ride better, the experience of riding is even better than I imagined. Um, And whilst in my mind, I think I I probably haven't quite achieved fully, you know, fully actualized that vision of being uh, a badass motorcycle chick. I think I kind of am and just haven't quite realized it. Uh, And it is a lot of fun. Um, a lot of fun riding, just kind of being a part of the bike and working with physics instead of against physics, which is something yep. I think you've said quite a few times, big difference between riding a motorcycle and, say, driving a car. Yeah. Yeah, good, excellent. And so, Mark, what, what do you think are some of the main benefits you see from your experience? Um, well, I think everything that you've everything that you've mentioned um yes i would i would put in there about some of the the benefits um for me having having ridden having ridden for quite a lot longer um well it's something particularly for people as they get as they get older uh, just to throw something a bit different in there is keeping um keeping your balance balance good and keeping your level of fitness and mental attentiveness um, up and and positive, um, the yeah talk to talk to most motorcyclists and you you'll get them talking about the kind of feelings that uh, that you can get, but uh, from riding a motorcycle. But I actually found a 2021 research article from the Journal of Brain Research. Uh, do a Google search for. Uh, for that one, and you will find it, which is called the modulization, sorry, modulation of attention and stress with arousal, the mental and physical effects of riding a motorcycle. <laughs> Very interesting research paper because it did talk about, uh, in a controlled study, people who were regularly riding motorcycles were, uh, firstly, they were more mentally mentally attentive. They were just more switched on and more aware of what was going on around them. And secondly, um, they had increased endorphin levels. So both very, very positive things. And I would throw into that as well, again, as I've nudged the half century mark with my age, uh, noticing that my balance isn't as good as it used to be, but riding bikes is a very good way of making sure that I am continually um, training myself to keep that, to keep that balance um, mm. there and being, being used in a very regular type of way. Uh, so I think those are those are a couple of the other ones. Um, the I think summing it up, um, the some of the it, it is just a more enjoyable way of getting around. So getting from point A to point B, um, regardless for me of whether I am out on a bit of a Sunday ride or if I'm commuting to work, and I probably commute to work maybe eighty to ninety percent of the time. Mm. I would be on some motorbike of some sort. Um, whenever I'm doing that and I'm jumping onto the bike, whether it's going to work or coming home, it's just something that's enjoyable. Uh, and the, the counter to that is on the days that I do ride the car, I sort of get in there and for any of our South Australian listeners, get onto the um, the very long parking lot that is South Road, um, moving at uh, walking pace, being overtaken by elderly people riding push bikes, uh, <laughs> riding in the bike lane and realising, yeah, there is a lot of positives about not being a car. Uh, being in a car and being on a motorcycle if you have the kind of lifestyle that uh, will allow you to be on two wheels. So 
Okay, well, what are what are some of the other benefits that uh, that you've seen other than the ones that um, that I've talked about? Have we, have we missed anything major in what we're talking about here? Um, I think uh, you know, again, from a really pragmatic level. Um, given cost of living crisis and all those types of things, um, the the price to actually run a vehicle uh, is pretty considerable when when you're looking at a motorbike, comparing that to most cars or at least petrol cars. Um, you know, we recently did a a ride, eighteen hundred k trip um, over to rural Victoria and back, and worked out that we probably spent about fifty dollars worth of fuel. Um, which is you know pretty good quite in comparison quick, quick, to quick, cars. Quick clarification there. I think it was about fifty bucks each way. Oh, it's fifty bucks each way. Yeah, fi- I mean fi- it's still so pretty it was, good. Yeah, it, w- it was getting to Adelaide from Adelaide to Melbourne um, on about fifty dollars worth of fuel, uh, which that's is far what better you said. than yeah, far better than what you will do in most cars. You can tell I wasn't really paying attention with the dollars. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> when I talk and okay, he just kind of tunes out. 3.8 <laughs> litres per 100 kilometres for the entire trip for, for those who are, uh, are nerds about uh, fuel economy. Sorry, go on, Kay. Which, no, I mean, because in comparison, I, you know, I used to have a Volkswagen Golf and the highway fuel efficiency on that was in the kind of low fours. Um, and I, th- I think, yeah, it's it's really worthwhile if you are looking at um, something that is a fuel conscious option um, for for getting around, motorbikes are, are a pretty good option there. Um, also in terms of parking, I used to, to work in the CBD of Adelaide. Um, getting a parking permit for a car was in the order of $2,000 a year. Um, and for a motorbike, it was, I'm pretty sure, less than 200 um, and mm, the motorbike yep. parks were a lot closer to at uh, closer to campus, whereas a lot of the car park options were, you know, at least one or two blocks away. So that again um, is helpful. Registration is typically a little bit cheaper, depending yep. on what vehicle you're talking about. So from a pragmatic perspective, there are some significant tangible rewards uh, or benefits from having a motorcycle as as a vehicle of choice. Um, anything you wanted to add, Mark? Oh no, I was I was just going to say, um, yeah, I think uh, any anybody who has ridden before will uh, will hopefully know and agree with most, if not all, of these that there are there are a whole bunch of really good things that uh, that coming along uh, that come along with just being a motorcyclist, with just regularly being on two wheels, but. With every up, oh, but before no, before we do oops, do sorry, that, sorry. I, I did want to. Um, I, I think another, you know, those are some of the more tangible benefits. But something else that for me is a really significant intangible benefit is is the enjoyment. And specifically, I can think of two moments in a lot of a lot of rides um, that have actually a, a really high value for me. So one of those is that rush. <laughs> When you uh, when you accelerate, when you pull on the throttle, and it can be just instantaneous, and and it's a really short moment in time, but it is a, a wonderful rush, um, and you don't even need to be actually going that fast, depending on what bike you're riding, um, mm-hmm. but it can feel great. Um, and the other one for me, which I found even really early on riding, as I started getting more confident in my cornering was finding that really perfect moment 
in any particular corner where the bike is just balanced and there's this Mm, one just one moment in time where everything just feels right and then particularly if you can then um, link that on to another corner straight after and that flicking motion from one corner into the other corner is um, it's really hard to describe but it's almost like you're floating you're flying and yeah gravity isn't there i don't know <laughs> it's great yeah, it's a it, it is one that is very hard to describe to anybody that hasn't uh, that hasn't ridden a ridden a motorbike trying to explain that to to people who are used to driving cars i mean yeah you can if you've got a decent car you can nail a corner in it but it is not the same as uh yeah getting a getting a corner on a motorbike absolutely perfect realizing as well that you're being held onto the ground leaning leaning over in one direction direction or the other and stuck to the ground by two bits of rubber that are smaller than the palm of your hand uh, the, <laughs> being the only thing that is holding you onto this onto this planet as you lean over in at an angle where you if you were standing still you absolutely would not be leaning over to that angle so no there is uh, uh, there's an element in there and it's different from cycling as well with the the fact that you have acceleration uh, particularly accelerating through a corner, the, the balance of mm. being able to have that acceleration and drive out of a corner on a motorbike where, okay, whereas, as you say, you you create a, a perfect moment where, uh, yeah, you are in perfect equilibrium with all of the different physical forces that are at play in that moment. And it's a very special feeling. Yep, it, it really, it really truly is. Um yeah, and but like you like you said, with every good things there are some uh, are some bad things, and and in this case, I know for us the way that we think about it is is about risk, and uh, how do we manage those risks because they are real. Um, you know, we know that the incidence of um, collisions and, and injuries are much higher as a motorcyclist than as a typical car driver. Um, but Mark, you were you were doing some looking and saying that you know the main cause of most of those collisions tends to be speed. Yeah, speed, speed, and or uh, drugs slash alcohol. Take your take your pick. Um, but but before you you know before we start looking at that, I mean any anybody who is thinking of uh, getting into motorcycling and hasn't had a license and a bike before. Unless you are, like me, surrounded every day by people that just live and breathe motorcycles, then no doubt you will have a concerned friend, a well-meaning friend who will tell you the absolute goriest horror story that that happened to a friend of a friend. Um, or, or a parent who says, no, that's just parent, too scary. Yeah, yeah you, you will without doubt have people that tell you no way that you'd never see me on one of those things. You, you're going to be a temporary Australian, etc., etc., etc. Um, and that can be really off-putting and scary, uh, off-putting and scary for people that are even mm. even considering it. So I think what Kay was said before that, um, you know, yeah, there there is a risk in being on uh, on a motorcycle, um, but as with any risk, they can be they can be managed. Um, so yeah, go on. Uh, n- next time you are looking at your um, mainstream media, if you're unfortunate enough to watch mainstream media. Uh, there will invariably be the motorcycle crash story because it's good because you get to see the long distance shot of the poor unfortunate uh, 
motorbike and or cyclist that's that's come to grief. Um, it, it makes for good TV, uh, part one, mm. because people in, enjoy watching uh, the tragedy and misfortune of others. Um, but then going and doing some more digging and research into into most of those accidents, and you will find that the majority of them are either uh, from riders who were under the influence of some sort of drug or alcohol, or were using excessive speed, or were just, Kahira, I think fair to say, just riding like idiots. Mm. And I see, yeah, I see a fair few of yeah those videos on social media of uh, yes. motorcycle collisions, and there's a definite category subcategory of those where you know the the motorcyclist appears to be making um, decisions that are probably increasing their risk of. Yes harm to themselves or harm to others and you know the reality is when you are on a bike you are more exposed um, you don't have all of those you know four five six uh walls of of metal around you you don't Steel have and the airbags and yeah the else. airbags mm. and all of the other safety mechanisms um, and so that means that any kind of collision, the impact of that is going to be higher if you are on a motorcycle than if you are in a car or you know, another four-wheeled vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. And That's absolutely, I mean, right. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, the, a, a lot of the the footage that I see of of motorcycle collisions and accidents and, and injuries, there's a certain subcategory where it looks like. Um, the rider is making, I think, poor decisions. But there's also a, a whole group in there where the sensors, the the people driving cars, just don't see, they just don't see the motorcyclists. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of our golden rules has always been to ride as if you know every other road user either can't see you, so they're possibly going to hit you, or they're trying to hit you uh, because of you know, anger or frustration or whatever needing to take it out on someone and so um you know for us that that the way that we manage that risk is by riding pretty defensively i think not super conservatively still still can have fun and enjoy it but you are you are you are riding um yeah with the assumption that that people can't see you so it's my responsibility to put myself on particular places on the road um, in order to increase the likelihood that I can be seen um, to ride with you know, a margin of error uh, in terms of gaps and um, you know, gaps that I might take for changing lanes or not or overtaking or similar um, to have really good familiarity with the bike in particular um, and you know where it accelerates, how it mm. breaks um, have done you know, some of the courses and practice around emergency braking and braking safely and, and all of those types of things. Um, and I suppose just generally not <laughs> not riding like an idiot, you know, saving yeah, that for like the idiot. track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's where go down to your local racetrack, uh, buy yourself a set of leathers, take your bike out there. We'll, do tr- we'll talk more about track days later on, but yeah, yeah if you want to cut completely loose and, and reduce that risk margin to very very low levels, then that is the right place to do it. Um, yeah, if you if you yeah, want to if you want to go fast and take corners and 
um, you know, really push the limits of yourself and the bike, the track is a great, it's a perfect place yeah. to do that. It is, it's so, so much safer with your full kind of body leathers and there's no, there's no cars or fences or lampposts for pedestrians, um, bus stops, pedestrians gravel for the, gravel in the middle of a corner. Into, um, it's, it's the perfect place to absolutely let loose. But on a but on our public roads, no matter where you are, uh, that, that there are always increased levels of levels of risk, which is why we uh, why we ride with margins of error and buffer zones built in mm. a, as one of the biggest ways of mitigating that risk. Um, I think back where after some big storms that we had in the Adelaide Hills, uh, both of us came around a corner that we'd taken many many times before, knew roughly what we should be taking it at. Um, got part way into the, I got part way into the corner into the lead, and realised that as a, as a result of the storm, the normal line that I would be taking um, had a very large fallen tree branch down on it, mm. um, and that was a moment where if I had been cranked right over into that corner, I would have had very very little in the way of options. Um, other than either riding straight through it, which probably would have ended up with me going down, or having to straighten the bike up, trying to ride around it possibly, but if I was going too quick for that, then it would have been stand the bike up and just brake as as quickly as uh, uh, as I could. But because I I had left myself some buffer zone, then I was able to uh, not really change my speed too much, just change my line, drift a little bit closer to the middle of the road, um, get around the the fallen branch and. Uh, other than, um, yeah, other than possibly a little bit of a stain in the undies, I think uh, g- got away oh, from it. Um, not necessary, thank you. Sorry, sorry. That the, these are these boundaries that I've been told I'm not allowed to push. But um, <laughs> yeah, other than other than sorry, an elevated heart rate for maybe thirty seconds while while I mm-hmm. thought, wow, that was something that I didn't see coming. Um, yeah, the, the the buffer zone was there, and the the potentially bad situation didn't come about, and that's how I tend to ride everywhere yeah. whether it's in the hills whether it's uh, on the road with traffic with pedestrians with pets with anything like that um, build yeah, those buffer zones in manage the risk that that margin of error you know it's about it's not only about kind of as you're riding but also you know, taking into account the conditions of the road and the mm-hmm. weather you know, like you were saying in that instance the previous storms um, the bike um, your own mental state. I know you. Totally. You've spoken a lot about you know not riding when we're angry. Um, mm. For me, it's it's not riding hungry because yes. <laughs> that affects yep. my attention span um, and my ability to kind of pay pay attention and make good decisions um, is a lot more difficult when I'm hungry. So I'm I'm really conscious about you know having a a good little protein low glucose mm-hmm. sugar snack um, <laughs> if I'm going on a slightly longer ride or or kind of going out so yeah it, it's about it's about being aware of the risks you know not not downplaying mm. them not hiding them not um, you know showing them away but acknowledging them and then putting into plan um, a way to to manage those risks and making that decision for yourself are these risks and the the steps to manage them worth the benefits. Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the one last thing I'd throw in there is to, to say around the, the behaviour of other road users because I have forgotten how many times I've heard, you know, I was riding along and I didn't do anything and somebody else just didn't see me. Um, 
which yeah it, it happens unfortunately uh, but those buffer zones help you even uh, help you to uh, paper over the mistakes or um, avoid the mistakes of other drivers because other drivers will absolutely make mistakes and there is mm. very little very little point in being the party that was in the right if you're also the party that ends up in the back of an ambulance um, so yeah yeah i think that probably Better says alive about, than right about risks <laughs> yeah totally that's another very good way of putting it to say ultimately your, your job out there aside from having a lot of fun and, and making uh, the most of all the benefits is uh, is not getting hurt uh, it's not necessarily about showing that you are the person who rides rides the most accurately and correctly uh, uh, relative to every other every other road user out there yeah i, I know recently i was uh merging onto the expressway in the middle lane and had you know, one one lane on the right, uh, lane on the left was coming to an end to merge into the one that I was in. Um, had a, a quite a large large Ute four wheel drive vehicle on my right, just slightly behind, kind of in my blind spot. Uh, mm -hmm. And a Ute in the merging in lane on the left hand side, about kind of on par with me. Um, and we're mm -hmm. all kind of going at a pretty decent click. Um, and all of a sudden, the three lanes are coming into two and the butte on the left-hand side has decided that they want to be in the space of the road that I'm on. Oh, uh, yes. So, you know, trying to brake and looking to see whether I can shift into the right-hand lane. The ute on my right decides that's an opportune time to start speeding up uh, for the assumed uh, speed increase coming around the corner. Um, which left me with the only option of really just breaking hard. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, in that instance, I probably would have been in a reasonable position to hold my line uh, if I wanted to be right, uh, but it was more important to just be alive. So, you know, hard yeah. break, let the ute on the left kind of take in, in, the, in the lane, let the ute on the right just kind of speed up. Had, you know, similar kind of, uh, accelerated heart rate, probably a little bit of internal swearing and, and screaming. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, then calmed down before I you know, pulled out and overtook and then continued on to make sure that, you know, not riding angry, not making poor decisions because yeah. um, yeah, it's quite nice coming home. <laughs> yeah, whatever you're doing, ultimately, just call, call your jets. Um yeah, you are on a uh, on a small and and vulnerable uh, vulnerable vehicle, and yeah, goal is to get home. Yeah, um, and so we've talked a little bit about some of the the benefits, the tangible and intangible benefits. Mm -hmm. We've talked about some of the risks and at least how we generally approach managing them. Um, but I also talked about you know the cost advantages of uh, riding a motorcycle, being a motorcyclist. But there's also some costs of getting a, a bike as well did you want to talk about that a little bit mark yeah i think i would um so working working in the store i do every now and again um, have someone who's brand new to motorcycling and i get the feeling that they are purely looking at getting on two wheels just because fuel is expensive parking is expensive um, which is understandable because it is which is i mean totally right and it's a it's a very valid justification uh but coming in and then saying yep so i just I, ju I just need a bike and yeah i'll just spend you know what, what's it going to cost like a grand a couple of grand and then that'll be it and i'm good to go and everything's happy um, so trying to work out yeah if you are looking at getting into 
motorcycling on the road, then try to understand how much you should be, what, what, what's your budget, how much you, should you be thinking about, uh, because there are some things in there that you do need to take into account that mean that it's not, that there's no one answer. Um, the, the short answer about how much is it going to cost you to get going really is it depends. Um, and secondly, it's all relative. So, um, yeah, the, there are some motorbikes that cost less than a, um, a reasonably priced e-bike. Uh, and there are some cars that are considerably cheaper than, uh, than you know, quite, quite a few of the motorbikes that are, that are out there now. So purely going on cost is not necessarily, I mean, yes, there are definitely, uh, uh, definitely benefits um, on a cost perspective once you're in there. But it's not, yeah, it's sometimes not as simple as it might seem. Yeah, because there's obviously the cost of the bike itself, which can mm -hmm. vary considerably depending on mm -hmm. whether you're buying secondhand or new, what type of bike, how, 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 how big, how fast you want to go on it. Um, yep. Yeah, generally speaking, smaller bikes are going to be cheaper, bigger, faster bikes are going to be more expensive. Um, and, you know, the, the smaller, cheaper bikes, um, which will be probably really good for getting around the city and the suburbs, mostly flat, nowhere over, over kind of 60 k's an hour, yeah, they're going to be a couple of grand. Um, but the as soon as you want something that can go on the highway, expressway, freeway, you are looking at something in the order of at least five, six grand new um, in order to have a bike that is comfortable uh, going at those speeds. Mm. And when we're, when we're talking costs here, just a reminder for those around the world, we're talking um, Australian, Australian. Australian <laughs> dollars here. Um, and yeah, if, if I think about the bikes that we have at work, then the cheapest you are going to find for something that can get out on the on the road as a brand new bike that will do highway speeds so talking 100 kilometers an hour uh, is yeah it's going to be about 6,000 new and work your way up into for a learner approved one yeah up to sort of oh, 13 14 15 grand depending on how much you want to spend and even the second hand market and we'll talk more about this in the the buying your first bike but um, at the lower end of the market. So uh, five grand seems to be at the moment in uh, early 2023. That seems to be the number that a lot of people pick out of their head when, when I ask them, you know, they say, yeah, I'm looking at getting my first bike. And I say, all right, how much you, do you have a rough budget that you're looking to, looking to spend? And they say, oh yeah, I'm thinking about sort of $5,000. Um, that is a very competitive end of the, um, of the, the used bike market. So, um, yeah, and like I say, I won't labour this now because we will have a whole episode on buying your first bike. But, um, yeah, th there is risk and reward in terms of the cost of, of buying a cheaper bike. Sometimes you can get away with it. Other times you might end up finding a, a bike that is two or three grand, but then you find out that you need to spend two or three grand worth in, in repairs to get it uh, to a point mm. where it is reliable, safe and doing what you need it to do. Um, so there is some thought to be done about that overall cost um, and yeah. Yeah, and, and the other that. thing that I, th I think is unique um, to motorcycling as distinct from uh, driving a car as your, as your primary vehicle is all of the other gear that you need. 
um, mm. to ride a motorcycle, you, know, you are legally obliged <laughs> to have a helmet, <laughs> which you, know, you can get because Australia, uh, you mm. can get you know good reasonable helmets um, that will keep you safe and do the, what they say on the box uh, for a couple hundred bucks, um, all the way up to thousand plus for getting all of the fancy things like weight and visors mm. and tinting and all that stuff um and but then you're starting to look at things like gloves and jackets and uh trousers and shoes um mm. and your know, jackets and trousers wanting things that are either leather or that are kevlar lined um and have padding at impact areas because these are the things that help help you walk away from a collision um, rather than you know being having having more serious injuries um, the differences are, are often in, in your protective gear um, and they again you know can all cost uh, upwards of you know in the, the kind of couple of hundred dollars to kind of get started again you can find things secondhand um, you might be able to inherit some or share some with other people or from friends um, and then you can go upwards pretty pretty steadily yeah. on your accessories and your protective <laughs> as, gear as, as far well. as you want depending on how much <laughs> money you want to sink into it I do want to jump in there and just just mention um, you, you talked about secondhand gear the one thing that I would implore people to steer a long way away from is uh, helmets. So if you mm. if you only buy one thing that is a new thing, then make it make it the helmet. And the the reason I say that is that um, helmets are designed so they have hard either uh, well a, a harder outer shell made of one of a number of materials, um, and then inside that they have a a kind of a styrofoam type layer that's designed to impact shock and then they've got the inner lining which is just the the material bit that sits against your head and they are designed so that that internal lining um, will compress when it is when it is hit so that the outer shell is providing like the the hard blocker but the it's the styrofoam that is trying to slow down the g-forces of your head going from whatever speed you're doing down to zero uh, to, to cushion that blow and, and make that uh, minimize those g-forces and make the slowing down process as gentle as it can. Now when it does that then that lining can be compressed even if the outer of the helmet doesn't look like it's ever been ever been hit um, you can have a situation where that that styrofoam lining has been compressed. Uh, the, the other one that makes me extremely nervous when I see it is people who regularly um, hang their their motorbike helmet, uh, <laughs> sort of pointing pointing upwards on something pointy like their handlebars, uh, where you just look at it and yeah, or, or the mirrors, and you think, yep, the longer you leave it sitting there, the more you are potentially compressing that interior styrofoam liner, and the less effective you are making you are making the helmet. Um, and also yeah, helmets, helmets are a one sorry. are a one shot deal. Yeah, they're um, a one shot and deal. And so if you are compressing that lining, you are effectively reducing the, the protection, reducing the, the full impact, of your head. the effectiveness yeah. um, of that helmet in the one time that you want it to actually be as effective yeah. as possible. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I think just, just generally thinking about uh, gear, 
you know, a, a rough estimate is probably reasonable to set aside around about a grand um, yeah. for for a helmet, for some kind of, of jacket, some gloves, um, ideally some, some Kevlar jeans, Kevlar line jeans and some reasonable boots or shoes that, that cover your ankles as well. Um, the mm. thing I think that th- thinking about managing risk for me, um, seeing people riding in, in T-shirts or shorts or jeans and then sneakers and their ankles are everywhere and it's like the mm. one thing you want to be able to do is that if you come off your bike whether it's your fault or someone else's or whatever um you want something between you and the road uh yeah. and any bit yep. of skin that is is seeing sunshine is skin that is at risk of serious injury or harm and um mm. again that mindset of just managing the risk to me it makes a lot of sense to just just wear the layers you can get jackets that are really good and ventilated for when it's warm you can get trousers that are you know light and breathable but still lined and still providing safety and protection um to me it's a no-brainer it yeah yeah yep you'll only need to have it pay off once and you will probably never go without <laughs> it again in terms of in terms of protective gear so yeah I, I reckon put aside a grand you might spend less you might spend a bit more but you're probably going to be about right then to get yourself set up with a nice set of of startup gear um yeah for things like shoes and jeans and jackets yes wearing wearing something is better than nothing in terms of okay at least a sturdy pair of jeans is better than uh, better than wearing shorts but um, a pair of uh, Kevlar reinforced uh, motorbike jeans that have also got padding in the knees is going to be better than a standard pair of jeans. So there's, like most of these things, there's no one right answer. It's just kind of working out what, what's your own level of risk that you're willing to accept um, and or pay for because <laughs> they kind of <laughs> go hand in hand a lot which, of the time. Which, which I think is one of the unique challenges of, of women or um people who are assigned female at birth are getting into motorcycling that there are fewer options in terms of gear um, so therefore you tend not to get that mm. broad spectrum of you know more affordable to more expensive um, the options are, are more limited um, yep. and so we'll, we'll talk a little bit later around um, when later episodes around gear and places to get them what to look for um, mm. I I plan on on sharing my reviews of some of my favourite uh, pieces of of motorcycling gear um, and the places that I go to get them um, because I know that yep. that can also be a little bit challenging too. But just kind of quickly touching on you know, the last bit around the cost of uh, having a motorcycle as your vehicle is similar to, to cars, things like maintenance, things like tyres, um, they... It can look a little bit different to to cars in terms of the the cycle and how quickly things wear through. Um, I think bike maintenance tends to be a little bit cheaper, um, but you m- are potentially yeah. likely to go through tires a bit quicker. Yep, that that's a fair point. So, um, you know, a set of car tires might you know you might get thirty thousand k's out of a set of a, a set of car tires again, depending on what they are. Um, on a motorbike tire, if you can, particularly out of a rear tire, if you can get 10,000 kilometres out of a rear tire, most of the time on most bikes, you should feel pretty happy with that. So that they do tend to wear out. Um, 
the the other thing I would throw in there is just the the importance of uh, keeping whatever your bike is, keeping it serviced, so that the fact that you might be up for a few hundred bucks a year for a service, um, motorbike engines, but particularly the oil, does a whole lot more than what the oil in a car does. Uh, there is less of it. It does more jobs because it also um, lubricates the clutch as well in most bikes. And it is something that uh, if that wears if that wears out, then a motorbike engine will generally be a lot more susceptible to longer term damage if you if you don't keep it. So um, unlike some cars that can be driven around for years and years and years without being serviced and they're not going <laughs> to complain too much, if you own a motorbike, seriously budget in a few hundred bucks a year wherever you're getting it done or if you're doing it yourself, whatever the case, um, that is that should be considered as a hard cost if you want to maintain the value and the reliability of your asset. And, uh, and it's it's simple mm -hmm. as that. If you can't afford that, um, yeah, it's, it's not like buying a push bike where you can shove it in a shed for however long and drag it out and other than air in the tires and a bit of oil on the chain, that's that. Motorbikes are, they need a bit more care. Yeah. So I'll stop ranting uh, about so that now. <laughs> and, 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 I think it's important that you rant because I probably still need to hear that because I still don't do the maintenance on my own bike. I am mm. very fortunate that moment. Mark. That's looks right. That'll be a later podcast. <laughs> uh, that'll be a vodcast, won't it? Of watching you. Yes. Yeah, so stay tuned later in yes, the series come and, for watching. Come and Kay learn how to maintain my bike with and me. Check tire pressures. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So right. we've talked a little bit about some of the the costs, the very real costs of. Um, of becoming a motorcyclist, of, of having a motorcycle as your vehicle, talked about you know the very real risks um, and hmm. uh, ways to kind of manage them, um, and I, I guess yeah the uh, the overarching kind of point that we want to say here is that there is no right or wrong. We're not saying you must ride or you should ride or um, anything like that. It's it is a personal question. It's up to you whether or not. Um, those benefits, those rewards are worth what it takes to manage the risk, to sit with that risk, to think about those costs. Um, I think it's it's probably pretty clear for us the answer is yes, it is very much worth it. Um, I, I think it can be easy to look at a you know pros cons list or I don't know cost benefit analysis and try and quantify the individual costs and you know quantify the risks um, but I think the benefits are actually really intangible the value that they bring the joy the the, the contribution to to mental health um, hmm. from having something on a regular basis that you actually enjoy something that takes your brain um, into a different mode uh, forces you to think differently to think critically to switch out completely from maybe from work from from home life um i i think that's hugely valuable um and really um makes it really worthwhile um and worth yeah. doing worth sitting with the risk totally um and when i think of some of the people that i know that that uh, come into work into work regularly uh shout out to gordon since i saw him this morning uh, people who are working um, high-pressure jobs working very hard at their work, either they're running their own small business. I've had people who work in some pretty 
or working areas where they would see things that they see things in their daily work that nobody would really want to see in their life and they're exposed to them every day i have so many conversations with people that um riding a motorbike is a is good for their mental health it's it's something yeah. that while they're on the bike they switch off they're not thinking about work they're not thinking about anything else all they are is being on the bike hunting for as kai was said hunting for that perfect moment where the laws of physics all just seem to line up in a like ducks in a row and everything is just perfect and and bliss so yeah. Yeah. I, I did think of one more benefit that we haven't spoken oh, about, and I'm 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 shocked they didn't. That it's cheaper it than is therapy. so important to me. No, <laughs> well, I mean, sorry, go on. Uh, um, depends. Anyway, that's not the point. Anyway, uh, what I was going to say sorry. is is people and networking. Um, you know, ah, the yes, very good point. the opportunities to meet people, to make friends, to explore new places. Um, you know, motorcycling is its own subculture. There's sub subcultures within subcultures the subcultures world, yes. <laughs> um, but you know it is it's a really great way to to meet people to make friends um, that I think uh, particularly coming into a place like Adelaide where the yeah, mm. stereotypical people clicky. tend to have their group of friends um, something like motorcycling can be a really nice way to meet new people to share an interest to have an excuse to do something you know, go for a ride and then meet people sit and have a coffee have a chat um, in a really low-key low-stress kind of way and um, you know, I've already made made a bunch of friends and, and met a whole bunch of really cool people through motorcycling um, and I think that is also a really exciting um, benefit to being a motorcyclist, um, mm. which is you know slightly separate from riding a motorcycle. Uh, yep, it's all, all part of bike life. Yeah, mm. bike life. Dun, 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 bike dun, life. Dun, dun, dun. That's it. Hang on, can't do that. Might get copyright. <laughs> no. Yep. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> all right. Next episode. What are we talking about at the next episode? Yes, um, so next episode we will be talking about buying your first bike. Our, yes, that's um, right. experiences, our tips and advice um, from you, Mark, as a now pretty oh, pretty connoisseur, pretty the experienced mistakes I've master. Made. Please learn um, from my mistakes. As a <laughs> buyer and as a seller, <laughs> and I'm now a professional buyer and seller, um, and probably from me as a very, very risk-averse purchaser of vehicles, mm. um, yeah, we want to want to share some some thoughts and tips on that. So stick around for episode three, where we talk about buying your first bike. Uh, but until next time, uh, if you are deciding to ride a motorcycle, then please ride safe and have fun, and we'll see you soon.